Life, politics, parenting, and navigating the daily chaos. It's time for Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. And I am so excited that you're here. And I have to say, I'm very excited about this episode. I've been looking forward to it. And I need to tell you, though, right off the bat, that this is an adult episode. This is not <laughs> This is not for kids. This is not for teenagers. So if you're a teen, which, by the way, now that I'm saying that, like, if you're a teen, this is not for you. All the teens are going to tune in. Um, but this is really, this is just my disclaimer. If you are, if you're listening to this in the car with your kids or whatever, this is probably the episode that you want to turn off because... <clears throat> We are going to be talking about pleasure in a marriage, something that's very important, something that's not talked about enough in Christian circles, in Christianity. And so I think it's something that we especially need to talk about uh, right now. And I, I have like a I guess it's weird to say that you're an expert in this, but um <laughs> an expert in sexual pleasure, um, Christian sexual (laughs) pleasure. I don't know. Um, but I have an expert in this field. Her name is Francie Winslow. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's so fun to be with you. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I want to, uh, I want to tell everybody sort of why I I'm bringing you on here and I've already told you, Francie, but I I wanted to uh, tell everybody else. So a few months ago, there was this, uh, there was an article that came out on Focus on the Family. And it was written by Gary Chapman. It was, it, it, the, the article was called something like how, how to resolve, you know, mismatched libido. Okay. And I thought, okay, like, I want to see what they have to say. Right. So I, I go on, I click on the link, I look at it and, you know, it was, it was cute. It was like, uh, you know, oh, well, maybe there's not enough romance in your relationship or maybe there's not enough, uh, maybe you don't go on enough dates. Uh, maybe there's not good enough communication. It was like that sort of, that sort of thing. And I thought, I looked at it and I was like, nope, that's not it. I mean, maybe for some people, that's it, right? I mean, maybe for some people, um, they need to go on more dates. They need more romance. But when I looked at that, I just, I sort of started laughing. I, I just thought, nope, that, that, that is not why for the majority of couples, there is a mismatched libido. And so I, I just sort of thought, um, I'm going to write, a, a response to this. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it goes right now. I, I love focus on the family. Everybody knows that. Um, I love focus on the family, but I, uh, wanted to write a respectful response, just knowing what I know. And so what I wrote was, look, 
there's a lot of a lot of things going on that could be that could cause a mismatch libido. First of all, uh, it could be a hormonal problem. So it could be that uh, you know prolonged use of birth control or birth control use at all can cause very serious hormonal issues. Okay, in women. Um, it changes your pheromones. So, uh, you know, if you're dating and, you know, your partner is very attracted to you, you're very attracted to your partner, then you get married, you get on birth control, that changes your pheromones, attraction changes, that could be one thing. Two, um, look, I mean, depending on what studies you look at, generally about 20% of women are on some sort of antidepressant, some sort of um, SSRI. SSRIs have sexual side effects. Almost all of them have some sort of sexual side effect. And so we're, we're putting women on SSRIs and then we're not counseling them on sexual side effects. How do you combat that? How do you overcome those sexual side effects? Maybe we need to, you know, put them on uh, an MAOI to counteract those sexual side effects. Maybe we need to, uh, you know, put them on some sort of uh, natural drug to overcome those sexual side effects. There's, there's different, or maybe there is a, a SSRI called Trintelix that has, has been put out recently, you know, that uh, brags about not having sexual side effects. So maybe we need to look at, you know, switching to one of those SSRIs. So there's, there's different, different things that we can, that we can talk about. But one of the main things and the, the first thing that came to my mind was, look, the reason that this is happening is because there is a lack of pleasure for women in the bedroom. I know this because I'm friends with a lot of women. And I talk to a lot of women and women come to me saying, you know, I've never had an orgasm in my life. Um, I don't know how to have an orgasm. Um, talk to me about orgasm, right? I mean, like women, I, I mean, I, I am a therapist. People come to me and talk to me about these things. When you tell people you're a therapist, uh, people just start talking to you immediately and uh, wanted or unwanted. And, and so people will come and talk to me and they'll tell me these things. And one of the most common things I hear from women is I, I don't like having sex. It is a chore for me. And I say, Oh, well, do you orgasm? No, never. And I tell them it would not feel like a chore if you had pleasurable sex. So that is, you know, one of the things that I feel like is, is that women are struggling with in their marriages. And one of the reasons that there is a mismatch libido, why do guys always want to have sex? Because they always receive pleasure from it, right? Like it's always pleasurable for men. If it wasn't pleasurable for them, they wouldn't want to do it all the time, right? If sex was always pleasurable for a woman, 
then she would always want to do it. The women I know who have high sex drives have consistent orgasms. So anyway, shortly after writing that, I got, there were thousands of likes on my comment. I had hundreds of women commenting underneath my comment on that thread, just saying, thank you for saying this. I had, you know, dozens and dozens of women messaging me privately in my email saying, I don't know how to convince my husband that I need to have an orgasm. We've been married for 29 years. I've never had one. He doesn't care if I have one. How do I open up this conversation? Um, Blah, blah, blah. So now a little bit of time goes by and I'm introduced via Instagram to some of Francie's Instagram videos. And I'm like, where has this lady been? She (laughs) is talking about this so openly and in such a beautiful, articulate way. And I thought, oh, I must have her on my podcast. So let's talk about this. What, what What do you think is the hang up in Christian circles when it comes to just openly discussing pleasure in, in marriage. Yeah. I think it has um, really, really long history way back in early church fathers where some of our earliest church fathers saw pleasure as equal to sin and they would punish themselves when they had pleasureful thoughts. This is St. Jerome. Some of the earliest saints disconnected the body and pleasure from their spirituality. And that has its roots in Gnostic worldview, which if you follow it along as that dualistic worldview, I'm sure you've read Love Thy Body, which really unpacks it well with with uh, Nancy Piercy, but that's at the root of all of these problems, whether it's abortion or sexual pleasure or on the other side of things, sexual confusion, it's separating the body from our spiritual experience and saying our spirits and our body are in two different camps. And so in the church, we focus so heavily on the spirit and morality, and we've given it such weight that it's been silent on the physicality side and the fact that our bodies are good. They were handcrafted by God. Our clitoris that has 8,000 nerve endings was God's idea. A man's penis has 4,000 nerve endings. That is evidence in and of itself that this was God's generous gift to incorporate into intimacy, yes, procreation, absolutely, but also pleasure and also the grand purpose of be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion. And so it's this encompassing gift that has the gift of procreation and the gift of pleasure and this great purpose of two becoming one to actually take ground on the earth. And we've minimized it so much to just a man's need and a woman's duty and robbed it of that beauty, of the pleasure, and of that grand purpose to actually equip us through pleasure, through the gift of pleasure to take dominion on the earth. It's not a chore. It's not a duty. It is, we have to like twist it all the way back around to try and see God's Genesis dream. What was he doing when he knit knit our bodies together, when he handcrafted our, our sexuality and called it good? And so I think because of church history having such a 
um, unfortunate um, long track record of separating the body from the spirit, it's been so much silence. And then I think you add onto that the sexual revolution and then just blatant what we can see as painful immorality. We're just afraid of it. And so we don't want anything to do with that. And we've made it so about morals that we've also just kind of overlooked in the process. What does it look like to be connected to my body? I'm so afraid of doing something bad. I'm completely disembodied at this point. And so I think women have just a lot of layers of shame, confusion, silence, and then also this the, the trouble of feeling disembodied, which we can talk about that because a huge part of it is I'm good with my spirit. I'm good with my morals. I'm good at making the right choices, but I actually can't feel in my body or I don't know how to feel or I don't know how, I don't know how to give myself permission to feel. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, I wonder if, and I, we haven't talked about this, but I, you know, I wonder if any of the, you talk about, you know, you talk about shame and, um, and that has to be a lot to do with it. Like, I don't know if, and it, it makes me wonder if, and I, I mean, I link so many things back to pornography, but it makes me wonder if, pornography and sort of this pornography culture, if there's any sort of link to, you know, women feeling like that's dirty, you know, like, Oh, if I have an orgasm, that's filthy. That's dirty. That's, that's like something you see like in a porno film or that, but it's not, it's beautiful. It's intimate. That's what God meant for, for a husband and wife to experience together. Like that's how he created your body. But I just wonder if this like pornographic culture that we live in and this over-sexualized culture that we live in sort of creates this shame around pleasure for women. Yeah. The way I like to see it is like, it's a, we're always on pendulums. You know, we go from one side to the other and we have the kind of the moralistic good church girl culture, which I'll call prude. And that's one extreme, like the prude side of things. And then there's the crude side of things, which is the pornographic side. And we know that both extremes are bad, but we don't know another option. And so instead of having to choose, well, I guess I'll just choose a prude because I don't want to be crude, there is redeemed in the middle. And it's like a third way of what did God intend? And it's looking back to God's heart. He, he made our bodies. We are image bearers. Every bit of our body is good. There's not one body part that God is ashamed of or that he turns his face. Like when we go to the bathroom and get dressed, it's not like the Holy Spirit leaves the room because he can't see us naked. And so reintegrating the fact that, okay, if can I... Can I even entertain the idea of blessing my clothed body? Because I think I talk a lot in my podcast about, do we, can we do body blessings? Can we actually affirm our bodies? Can we affirm our breasts? Can we affirm our vaginas? And I had some friends laugh at me one time. I'm like, bless your vagina. That sounds weird, but it is actually the most beautiful invitation for you to get comfortable with your body as a woman, knowing my body is actually good. And I think it is true because we have been so focused on purity. I love purity, but you know, it got a bad rap for a while. We don't know what like integrated sensual biblical sexuality looks like. And we don't know how to even look for it because uh, even the conversation of how do you be a sensual Christian woman 
hasn't necessarily been at women's retreats, you know, the topic of conversation, but I think it, it should be. It's, it's part of God's gifts of giving us five senses. And I think waking up our bodies in different ways, knowing that we don't have to be ashamed and it's not pornographic. It's God ordained. This is God's territory. And he is in the order. He's in the business of reordering our mindsets and our hearts so that we can experience that abundance in the bedroom that he created us for. So what do you, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, you know, well, actually, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of women listening today and they're going to be like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm ready for the orgasm. Like what, you know, I don't, I, I don't experience it. I don't know how to experience it right. or maybe I only experience it once in a blue moon or so what, what is your, you know, what do you, what do you tell them to do? How do you, how do you tell them to talk to their husband about this? Um, you know, it's for some women, it can be like a really awkward, you know, sort of discussion, um, with their husband or, you know, how do you, how do you sort of help them get into that space where they're comfortable exploring this? Um, this reality that this is something that, that they should desire for themselves. Okay. So I have to just preface this. You're the therapist in the room. I am just a curious disciple of Jesus. And I've been on this journey of looking into his heart for what he has to say about this for the last almost 17 years. And so I've been kind of obsessed with this topic because I needed it. I didn't come to the scene with like all this sex knowledge. I came as a good Christian girl who had a lot of shame in her body, who grew up knowing, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I got married. I get to do it now, but not only do I not know how to do it, I don't know how to think about doing it. And so I have been in a long process of healing. And what's sweet and amazing about God's gift of sex is that it requires vulnerability. And vulnerability offers us the opportunity for exposure of what might be hard or awkward or uncomfortable. But if we lean into that, I think first with God and invite him into any places that could be hurting or hard and ask him for healing, see a therapist, explore things that you have hiccups in. And then you invite your husband into it saying, hey, I want more for myself and I want more for our marriage. Can you encourage me in this? I'd like to learn more about my body. I'd like to understand my body as good and not carry the shame that I have from maybe my past or from my kind of religious heaviness that is not godly, but might appear to be, you know, godly. And so I think inviting your husband in, inviting your counselor in and um, knowing that there are people who can walk with you through it and knowing that I don't have this knowledge because I just had a degree. I have been on a healing journey. And what I love about sex and intimacy and pursuing pleasure specifically because I have been in this process of pursuing pleasure, it has forced me to heal because you can't really experience pleasure when you're guarded and when you're uptight and when you're afraid and you're nervous, you have to open up. And so some of my most profound healing moments have been on little sex retreats that Wyatt and I take. My husband and I will go away for a weekend and we'll just say, we just want to enjoy each other, but something will come up and I'll realize I have an insecurity about a part of my body and I didn't really know how to articulate it before. And I really can't move forward in more fun because I'm feeling this. And so I invite God into it. And so it's not this conversation that's separate from our faith. It is just this ongoing dialogue as beautiful as God, my feelings are hurt. Will you speak truth over me? 
it's, God, my sexuality is hurt. Will you speak truth over me? And so he's into our emotions. He's into our beliefs. He's into our sexuality because he created it to be an integrated part of how we walk on this earth, how we love in marriage, how we bear his image as men and men and women. Okay. Saying all that, how do you talk to your husband? I think just that, Hey, I realized that there might be more for me in sex than I knew. And I think I might want to try some more things. I want to explore. Will you help me? Will you be my encourager? I feel a little uncomfortable because this is new. I need your encouragement. Um, sometimes the risk can be that if you come at your husband with like new ideas, he might feel a little deflated, like he wasn't enough. And so I think just inviting him into the journey saying, hey, I want more pleasure in our marriage. I think it'd be so fun for us to discover this together. And so I think in making it more of like an invitation to be your encourager. Um, yeah, I can keep going with like how to become orgasmic if you want to talk about that. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, yeah let's do it. Say? Okay. Yeah. Well, orgasms and sexual pleasure is about blood flow. And so the more blood flow you have in your vaginal area, the more... Um, you know, if you're working out, you get blood flow, you get energy, right? And if you have a specific concentrated area of your body, like your clitoris that's receiving blood flow, it's going to enlarge. And that's the process of you becoming aroused. So how do you get blood flow there? Well, something as simple as kegeling, which is something you could do in the car at a stoplight. You could do it while you're stirring spaghetti. It is simply squeezing your PC muscles, which is the pelvic floor muscle, it's like a sling that holds up all your organs inside of you. And uh, when you've had a baby or several like you and I have had, it gets loose. But kegeling is a way to tighten it. And the stronger your PC muscles, the stronger your orgasms. And so you can just think about, okay, I think I'm going to get do some muscle, some muscle um, workouts while I am, you know, stirring spaghetti or whatever you're doing. And even that gets blood flow. And you can pay attention to that feeling because that's the beginning of an aroused feeling. If you feel a little tingly, pay attention to that. And I don't think as Christian women, we're taught to pay attention to arousal or to feelings of arousal. We're taught to shut it down. But when you're in a marriage, you need to ramp it up <laughs> and pay attention to it and enjoy it and, and in fact, connect it to your even your breath. So you're feeling a little tingly, doing a Kegel, taking some deep breath, get oxygen pumping through, gets more blood flow. So those are just some really simple ways to get started, changing your mindset, knowing this is God's good gift. It's for me. I might need to invite God into it for some healing, maybe see a counselor for some past burdens that I've been carrying around too long because God has healing for us there with people and inviting your husband in and then realizing it's about blood flow. And so that's why people say foreplay really is important because the longer you have of caressing or touching, the more opportunity for that blood flow to collect and for you to have more desire. Those are just like the the tip of the iceberg, but, um, do you have any questions or thoughts on that so far? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, there are companies that make, um, you know, they have different variations of like screen cream or things like that, that you can, um, use that, you know, you can put on the clitoris. They will, um, help to increase that blood flow, like Francie's saying, um, and that helps during, you know, foreplay or, um, it, all, all of that people talk about like G-spot orgasms or, you know, clitoral orgasms or whatever. Well, your, your 
G-spot and your clitoris is all connected, right? It's just all one big nerve from the outside to the inside. So um, if the outside is stimulated, then the inside is going to be stimulated and vice versa. So, you know, those sorts of creams are um, helpful to a lot of women. Um, but, you know, different sexual positions can be helpful uh, for women. So I think just, you know, talking to your husband and just saying, look, I, I want this, I, I want to, I want both of us to experience sometimes couples get sort of in a rut, right? And it's like always just, all right, let's just knock this out really quick because we want to do it once a week. And this is just sort of our, you know, we have sex every Wednesday night after spaghetti dinner or whatever, you know, like, and you just sort of get in a rut, you just sort of get in a habit and, and, like sex should never just be something that you do. It should never just be a habit, something that you just sort of knock out once a week or, you know, once every two weeks, like it should be something that is enjoyable for both people. And it should be, um, something sex should be something that's experienced by, by both couples. It should be an experience. I mean, for both people in a couple, it should be something that is experienced. And so it should be something that's enjoyable. And, um, that's really the way that God intended it. And so, um, and so, you know, change it up, right? Like if you're always doing it missionary style, then change it up, you know, um, and try different positions, try different things, um, you know, try different things in, in your foreplay, um, you know, just any, anything that you can do, you know, try, try some sort of cream. Um, just, you know, in any, whatever you do in, in your marriage, whatever you do within, you know, as a husband and wife, like it's okay, right? Because you're a husband and wife and you're allowed to do that. And, um, and so I don't think that, but I, I don't think you have to, you know, as long as it's something that, that you and your husband both desire, then do it, you know, play around, have, have a good time. Um, but I just think that we become so timid, um, about our sexuality and we become timid just even with, with each other and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be. Um, so now there's men that are listening to this as well. And, um, and they're, they're probably sitting here listening, going, their feelings are probably hurt. Their ego is probably a little bruised right now. Uh, maybe. And, uh, I mean, what's the, what's the message to them? It's, you know, it's not that, that we, we don't, um, it's not that, that we don't want to be having sex with them. It's just we want sexual we want our sexuality to be really in partnership with them. Right? So what's the I mean, what's the message? What's what's something that, you know, a husband, if he's listening and and you know, he's sitting here going, Man, my wife never does have an orgasm, right? And I really sort of maybe have been selfish, like in, in the bedroom, you know? And, um, 
how does how does he go about remedying that with her um, in sort of a, a, a sensitive way? Well, here's the deal. This might um, this might sound a little bit countercultural because I think it can be a man's need, a woman's duty, and then we can swing the other way and be like a woman's orgasm. But I'm pretty sure that most men are extremely emasculated by women their wives not being able to orgasm because what it yeah. says is that you're not that great of a lover. So yeah. they're coming to their wives for sex because they have a biological need, but their hearts are kind of dying on the inside. And so I think most men would love it if their yeah. wives got excited about their orgasmic potential and started learning with them and reading books and trying exercises and different types of touching and different types of erotic massage and kind of woke up their sexual energy together and said, I think it would really honestly nourish and heal a man's heart, a good man, you know, there's not as good men, but a good man wants his wife to be feeling pleasure. And I'll just say from experience, because I'm not a therapist and I don't aim to fix everybody's problems, but I can say from my experience, my husband has pursued my pleasure. And I'll just say, it's kind of crazy. I just grabbed my Bible as we were sitting here, but Deuteronomy 24, get this. I don't know if you've ever read this before. It blew my mind when I read it. It's under the miscellaneous laws, but it says, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home for one year and bring happiness to the wife he has taken. So in ancient Israel time, everybody, all the men went to war, right? They were all in the army at different points, but God ordained a new husband to stay home for one year to be about the business of making his wife happy. I don't think that meant sweeping. I think it meant get to know your woman, yeah. bring her pleasure, devote an entire year to knowing each other, to thrilling each other, to, and part of the Jewish law of Onan is actually about sex should always be pleasurable to a woman. And so it was designed to be this way. As I mentioned, women have twice the amount of orgasmic uh, nerve endings in her clitoris. We have erogenous zones head to toe. And it's just like this mystery board to figure out. And which is really fun because different women feel more orgasmic in different places with caress or touching, but it gets to be a real sweet, um, kind of like that song, your body is a wonderland. It really yeah. is. And you get to enjoy that together. And so I don't think a man should feel bad or sad. He should feel like, yay, I'm up for this because this is an invitation to more joy. And I think the women have either also just the burden of being too tired, too much to do, too many expectations. We don't have enough margin for us to even tap into our sexual desire because we're straight up exhausted. If we're not tripping over shame and if we're not tripping over religious morality that makes us double-minded and gets in our head, we're just exhausted. And yeah. so I think if your husband send your wife up for a bath, after dinner, take care of the kids and, you know, clean up the kitchen with them and then give her that gift of being connected to her body. And I think there's ways that husbands can really serve their wives and bless them so that they can reconnect to their bodies because they've been so spread thin that they might just be exhausted. But I think that it's a, it's an invitation to more intimacy on both levels for men and women. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I can say that, you know, just on a... <laughs> On a personal level, you wouldn't like me saying this, but on a personal level, like, you know, you know, there was a time in our marriage, especially when we had, you know, when our boys were like, boom, 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 boom. Like when we had our kids like back to back and, you know, it was just sort of like, it, we were just tired and, you know, tired. It was like, let's knock it out. You know, let's just, let's just do it to do it, you know, yep. um, just cause we have to. 
But then when we got back into really the experience of sex, right. Mm. And then, and, and it was very pleasure. And then it became very pleasurable for me again. He was like, Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Because that's what he wants. That's what he wants for me. That makes him feel more manly. Right. Because he can please his woman. Right. And so, um, and so, that I think that is how men need to need to see it. And I think that's the conversation that men can have. If you have gotten into this like habit of just like banging one out. Right. And, and she's just sort of laying there like, okay, I got it over with, you know, I think that is the conversation that you can, can sort of bring to the table with, Mm -hmm. with your wife. Like, you know, I, I haven't been doing my job and it, it makes me feel bad. Right. And I, I want to do all I can as a man to help you, you know, and um, I want to please you because that's part of my job, you know, as your husband. And, um, and I, I promise you, if you do, she will not be as tired (laughs) anymore for sex. (laughs) that, That exhaustion, like, that comes with, I'm just too tired to have sex. She won't be so tired anymore. <laughs> like, yep. She'll be ready to go. <laughs> totally. So, totally. Um, so, yeah. So I think that's a really, that's um, a really good word. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. Okay, now there is so much just about, you know, in our schools today, teaching our kids the wrong things. And and I know you've talked about this on your podcast, um, but just, you know, there's a lot, most of the people listening are parents. Um, what is, in, in your opinion, just sort of the best way to, you know, start talking to our kids about their bodies and... Mm-hmm. Um, you have several. I have six. Kids. Mm-hmm. Six kids, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how are you talking to your children about their bodies and respect for their bodies? And what have you found to be the best way to go about doing that to, to really prepare them for the onslaught of just nonsense that they see and hear in our in our culture today? Yeah. You know, you would assume it needs to start at middle school, but it it cannot start at middle school. If that's where you are, start now. But if you have <laughs> kindergartners, start there. If you have a two-year-old, start there. And it begins with like us taking this new frame of thinking about sexuality as a holy, beautiful, powerful, supernatural gift from God and letting it settle into our souls. And then as it's settling into our souls, letting it come out through conversation with our kid. And it doesn't mean you talk about pleasure and orgasm. It means you talk about the fact that God uses what's visible 
to reveal the invisible. There's your boy, John Paul II, right? Um, We love the fact that we can see what God is like through the things he's made. And that is including our bodies and our bodies are good. And so for our littlest ones, I take a walk outside and I pick up a bud and say, God's world is wonderful and fruitful. And that's that period. God's world is wonderful and fruitful. And he is a good God who made things wonderful and fruitful. And that seed planted in their mind says there is an order and there's an intentionality because in our world, the postmodern gender theory says your body is meaningless matter. It has no place, no meaning, no significance. Therefore, you can do whatever you want, dismember it, dismantle it, disfigure it. But that is not the truth at all. And we want our children to be brainwashed with the truth. So when they hear the lies, it's very clear. And the, the truth is your body is a meaningful masterpiece. And that's another thing I say to my little ones all the time, and changing a diaper, giving a bath, because I want them to know their bodies are awesome. There's nothing to be ashamed of. So it's little phrases that have big meaning that are seeds. So you can feel free to steal those. God's world is wonderful and fruitful. That plants a seed for the fact that there is a fruitful order. Your body is a meaningful masterpiece, tells them that I'm not uh, disorganized chaos. I haven't evolved from muck. I have meaning and I'm a masterpiece made for a purpose. Even for little ones, you're a boy and it's good that you're a boy. And I like do a little cheer. (laughs) You're a girl and it's good that you're a girl. We were in Target recently and we saw a girl power shirt and I pulled all my kids. I'm like, no, no, no. We're not about girl power. We're about image bearing power because we're not made for self-expression. We're made for God expression. And he does that through our bodies, through being a girl and a boy. We carry certain pieces of heaven that reveal what he's like. And so then we point to mommies and daddies and we say, see how daddy's holding Will and he's comforting him? That's what God is like. He's a father. And so we talk about daddy's big, strong arms. So we use the visible things around us to help us understand what God is like. And as they get older, you can point to the fact that sex is a visible gift, something we experience with our bodies that shows us an invisible reality that we were made to be connected to God forever in love. And then you can get to the pleasure as they get older and it has a holy awe about it. And it's not this stinky, shameful, awkward sex talk. It's an integrated way of seeing the world. And so I think the encouragement is start when they're tiny, young, you can write those phrases down and use them and ask the Holy Spirit for moment to moment wisdom on how do I connect who you are to how we live every day in our bodies. And the fact that our bodies We're made to speak the love of God, made to house the love of God. And everything we do with our bodies can be glorifying to God. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you sort of came into um, this awareness, I guess, um, of, I don't know, God's love for you and... and, um, through, I, I read this about you, through this experience you had in a Thai brothel. Hmm. Will you tell that story? Yeah. Well, I had, I think I had been working with women earlier in my high school career along the topic of God's heart for us and our identity in him and his love for us as a father. So I was working with younger girls 
kind of as a peer minister. And then I uh, took a gap year and did some mission work and um, was working in Thailand in some brothels. And um, part of the ministry that we were serving, it wasn't our idea to do this. It was a ministry that was there that would visit the brothels and build relationship with the girls and um, really give them a way out. And so if they wanted a way out, and some of them had been trafficked there, and some of them were just in poverty and were in the brothel. And what the brothel really looked like was a skanky bar, like think, you know, a big party city that had like maybe New Orleans style, like open seating and you could walk in and out. And so we would go and just kind of wander in and take a seat at the bar, order a Pepsi or something. And the girls would just be drawn to us because they wanted to talk to American girls. And we ended up one night buying two. And because we said, what are you going to do tonight? Like, is somebody going to come and and take you out, a man? And they're like, yeah, what if we bought you? And so we bought them and um, ended up taking them to a a nail salon. And we got their nails done and we took them out to dinner and we just were trying to show them the fact that they're valuable by who God says they are, that they are loved, that they have value, not because of what they do for a man. And I think as I was um, encountering them and seeing their obvious sexual pain and my not so obvious sexual pain, it was just like the, the Lord was connecting the two stories of saying, you know, I don't see either one of these as better or worse. I want wholeness for all of my daughters, for all of my children. And he just really um, kind of broke my heart on that trip for asking him to take all that I have to use for his glory. But it was definitely serving those women. That was a, it was a big part of my story and, and being able to just declare the love of God to them and realize he was declaring the same love that he had over me as well. And you've done, you and your husband have done a lot of mission work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we both did missions independently before we met and got married. We got married really young, but I had spent all my high school summers overseas doing different trips. And then when we got married, we moved to Sri Lanka after the 2004 tsunami and we're a part of a church planning humanitarian movement. And we were um, overseeing the rebuilding of 84 homes in a impoverished village after that big tsunami. And we got to serve there. And honestly, that was kind of where all this sex conversation started in our marriage. It was our first year of marriage and really just having to work. What are you saying about this sex stuff? So it was happening in America as newlyweds, but then we just moved overseas and it was working out this real life and ministry and integrating all of God's heart into our actual relationship and seeing him do healing work in that place too. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. Are you writing a book? Um, I have probably about five book proposals that have been on my desktop for the last many years. And I just keep having babies and um, doing family stuff. And so the podcast has been my main outlet to continue this movement. But um, at some point in the future, I might. But you have a step you have a study guide for your do I have a study guide? I have a bunch podcast? of resources. I have a bunch of resources on my website that you could check out that take the message deeper. Um, study guides that match the podcast episodes yeah. and series. Um, yeah. yeah. So they're yeah. kind so of like little to, ebooks. If you go to FrancieWinslow.com, there's under um, the resources, you have several things under there, but you have a, a study guide that will help you. Uh, go through your podcast and um, and then you also have a uh, you have two things you have a growing desire which is a 21 day challenge embracing God's gift of desire um, that people can get 
And then you have uh, Jumpstart Your Marriage Connection, which is building intimacy. And uh, people can get that as well. And then your podcast is called Heaven in Your Home, Sex, Marriage, and the Mission of God. And um, you've got great episodes on there just talking about all kinds of things. Uh, Yes, talking about pleasure, but talking about talking with your kids and all kinds of things. Um, Yeah, I generally encourage people to go to episode one because that's kind of how I designed it. Start at episode one because we all need quite a lot of rebuilding in this area. And we need a lot of kind of remapping of our brains and our worldview and how to integrate all of it in a way that um, makes sense and actually inspires us. And so it's kind of my journey and my story starting in episode one, where you'll hear about our inner healing and our time in Sri Lanka. And um, then you can skip ahead after you've listened to the first few, but it's kind of built intentionally to move people along. Okay. And then what, tell me about this discipleship circle that you have. Yeah, I'm loving it. It has been the sweetest way because what I'm finding is that women like this conversation are saying, where are women talking about this? Why can't I have these conversations easily, maybe with my friend or my sisters? And it's just a hard conversation to have when people are not ready. And so this has become a community of women who want to have this conversation in real time. And we meet monthly on Zoom and I lead a little teaching and we have some conversation time and some Q&A and some um, relating to each other on this topic. We we have six different units we walk through to really disciple you in it and then equip you to give it away. If you feel called to maybe start a group or um, even just have these conversations with your kids, it is a systematic way to equip women um, because I get a lot of leaders too who, who want to give this away, want to get it for themselves and give it away. And we have a Voxer group where we're chatting every week and they can ask questions on the fly. And um, then you get access to all of my challenges and all of the things that I offer on my website are included in that. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, I am just so thankful that you came on the show and that we had this awesome conversation. Um, People can go to your website, franciewinslow.com. They can subscribe to your updates and resources. And then you're on social. So I know you're on Instagram. That's where I follow you. Um, Where else can people find you? Yeah, I social media stresses me out, so I mostly stick on one. I'm on Instagram, and that's about all. But I'm a little bit on Facebook, but mostly you'll find me on my podcast and on Instagram. Okay, perfect. And people mm-hmm. should go and subscribe to your podcast. And um, yeah, I'm just so thankful that you're talking about this, that you're so open about it. Um, it's just, it's so needed. It's so important. And I mean, this we need, we need this in marriages. We need people to be talking about this. I mean, I had told you, I was reading a book this many, many years ago when I was um, getting my uh, master's degree, but I read these two books called women, women's infidelity. And it's a very, very secular book. I don't encourage people to read it, but anyway, um, I was reading it, but it was, everybody thinks about, you know, they think about infidelity in marriage and they think about men. They always think about men cheating. But that's actually not true. Uh, there's just a high. It's just just the rates are just as high for women having adulterous affairs in marriages as men. And one of the reasons is is sexual issues in a marriage. And that is not what I want for couples. You know, I mean, and there's just no reason for it. Um, 
You know, there's just no reason for, for couples not to be satisfied sexually in a marriage, but this is just something that you have to talk about. You have to explore, you have to experience it together. You've got to communicate about it. And yeah, it's going to be maybe awkward in the beginning, but just think about how enriched your marriage is going to be whenever you're doing this together. Yeah. And better you do it together than do it apart. Right? <laughs> so, or do it with somebody else. So, That's right. Um, so, I mean, this is the way that God intended for marriages to be, to be fruitful and to be pleasurable. And um, I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I look at my parents and I don't know what their sex life's like, but I know that. They're just still, my dad is 73, my mom's 68, and they're just still crazy for each other, you know? Mm. And and I'm like, that's how I want my marriage to be, you know? Like, yeah. my my mom's in the kitchen, my dad walks by, and he still, like, pinches her butt, you know? And I'm like, that's so cute, you know? And that's yeah. the way I want my marriage to be, you know? I, I yeah. still want to have that, like, sexual excitement for my husband when I'm, you know, in my sixties and seventies, you know, and it is possible. It is possible. You yes. can still have great intimacy, even as your body changes. I mean, a lot of studies say it gets better because you have less inhibition. You're more comfortable with your body. It changes, but it can still be rich and meaningful and passionate and beautiful. Yes. And you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which for some of us so true. is highly stressful. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so, so it's true. like you're free. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I just, I thank you so much. This is just something that we need to talk about. And uh, I hope that people will, uh, I know that they will subscribe to your podcast and um, listen to your videos. You're just so full of knowledge and wisdom on this. So thank you so much for um, taking the time to be with us. And thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to um, come back next week as we have another guest, or maybe we, maybe we won't, maybe I'll just be giving you some thoughts about what's happening. We don't know what's going to happen. Actually, we can have something very interesting come from the Supreme court. So it may just be rant, may, may just be me ranting on and on about whatever happens. So, um, anyway, so we will talk to you again next week. And until then, uh, keep sharing about the love of Jesus Christ and be safe out there. Thanks for listening to Politely Rude with Abby Johnson on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of life, politics, parenting, and tips for navigating the daily chaos. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, download the Edify Podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.